Good morning. I'm so excited because today we are starting a new series called Summer Shred. Sounds fun, right? Summer Shred. We chose this title because summer is often, it's the time where we stop and assess, right? We seek to get fit and slim down, fit in those swimsuits, right? You get around May and you're like, okay, I have 60 days to get in the swimsuit. Right? We clear out our closets, and it's a time where we focus on becoming more disciplined and getting rid of what doesn't belong. So today, we're going to talk about clearing the room, clearing the room. There are areas in our lives, in your life, in my life, where we need to remove some things, even people, to make room for what God wants to lead us into, too often, we're frustrated and we're angry at God because we're not entering yet into what he has promised. And we're like, God, why is this not happening? But oftentimes, the change or the miracle doesn't happen because something is missing. Because too much other stuff is present for the miracle or the change to occur. I'm going to say that again. Oftentimes, the change or the miracle doesn't happen because something's missing but because there's too much other stuff there that's keeping the miracle or the change from happening. There's a story in Mark that beautifully illustrates this. So if you would turn with me to Mark 5:22 through 42, you can read along um, with me in your notes. But um, first, I want to give you a little backstory of where we're at in Scripture. So Jesus has just left the Gentile region around the Sea of Galilee. He's met a man um, who is demon-possessed, and he has delivered him in a miraculous occurrence of all of the demons, right? This man has been set free. So now Jesus is returning back to the Jewish towns on the other side. So he's crossed to one side, he's done a miracle, and now he's headed back to the Jewish side, and he's going to do more miracles there. And that is where word has gotten out. So when he gets there, large crowds are already immediately coming to him again. So let's read this together. We're going to pick it up in verse 22. It says, one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him, and a woman who was there had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. Verse 27. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. Verse 35, while Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. After he had put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, 
The girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. Jesus is approached by this man named Jairus. He's desperate. Okay, his daughter is sick and she's dying and he knows that Jesus is the only one that can come in and change the situation. And Jesus agrees to go with him, but along the way, he's touched by a woman in the crowd who is also desperate. She has been bleeding for 12 years, which interestingly enough is the same amount of time that this little girl has been alive. So for the life of this little girl, and it's a small town, so people, they know things, right? It's a small town, everybody knows each other's business. And this woman, she's experienced not only the physical symptoms, but in her culture, right, she is unclean. So this means that she can't hang out with people, right? So you wouldn't normally see her in a crowd of people. She would be off to herself. She would be isolated. But she has such incredible faith, and she is determined to get to Jesus. And when she grabs hold of him, she's made completely clean. It's a miracle, right? It's amazing. She finally receives her miracle, right? But the time that Jesus has taken with this woman has delayed him from getting to Jairus' house. How many of you guys have experienced this in your life where like somebody, you're really praying for something and then something happens in a friend of yours life and you go, man, they stole my miracle. Like what's going on? You know, they got it first. <laughs> you know, this is, this is what I asked for and man, they grabbed it. <laughs> That's how Jairus must have felt. He must have felt like, oh my gosh, like he, this woman, that's awesome, but she got my miracle. But let's see what happens in verse 35. While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? They say to Jairus, why bother? When we seek to respond to God, to make a change, to step out in faith, there's always going to be a voice that says, why bother? Why bother? It's too late. Why bother? It's hopeless. Why bother? Nothing is going to change. Sometimes it's the voice of someone who thinks that they're helping. Sometimes it's the voice of the enemy. Most oftentimes in my life, it's come from places of insecurity or even discouragement exhaustion where you're like man i'm so tired like what's what's the point of even starting this but if we listen to the voice that says why bother nothing is ever going to change and if jesus or jairus had listened to the voice that said why bother this little 12 year old girl would have remained dead and we would not have seen the miracle that we saw look at what it says in verse 36 overhearing, which also is translated in the language ignoring, which I think is really important. So let's go ahead and say that again. Ignoring what they said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid, just believe. I love this. Jesus, he completely ignores the voices that say, why bother? And he pretends that he doesn't even hear them. Which brings us to our first point on the inside of your notes. Point number one is ignore the voices. Not every voice needs to be responded to. 
not every voice needs to be responded to. And if you listen to every voice and react and respond to them, you will never move forward into what God is calling each and every one of you to do. There have been so many times in my life, in Victor's life, um, as a couple where God has spoken to us and told us to do something, and then someone who's well-meaning goes, what are, you, what are you thinking? Like, that's stupid. Or you're gonna regret that. We were only two years married when God told us to take in a, a foster teenager, right? And God woke me up in the middle of the night and was like, you need to do this. And God confirmed it through scripture with Victor. And we prayed as a couple and God opened every door. But there were people even well-meaning in our family who were like, this is really stupid. Like, why are you doing this? You're gonna regret this, right? And then what's so crazy is, is that when God moves and does a miracle in, in, in lives, like he did in Dylan's life, right? Then those same people come around and go, oh my gosh, that was the best thing you ever did. Like, I told you to do that. Do you remember when I told you that that was a really good idea, right? There will always be so many voices demanding my attention, trying to influence my decisions. And I have learned that I just need to shut them out. Tomorrow, we're gonna be celebrating our independence, right? So I have to ask a question of all of us, myself included, why are we giving away our freedom? Why are we giving away our freedom? Why are we walking around saying, whatever I see, whatever I hear, that's what I'm going to believe? Why are we not engaged in what's happening in our nation? Why are we not making decisions based on the word of God instead of influencers, popular culture, and even what we see some celebrity pastors posting? Why is that, what, why is that influencing our decisions? Today, there are so many voices. You guys are inundated with them. I can't tell you how many times my phone beeps with a push notification, right? It was driving me crazy the other day. I was like, told Victor, I was like, I hate push notifications because it's getting my attention all day long, saying, look at me, look at me, look at me. And that's what we all face, right? But are we going to listen to the voices that stand against the word of God, or are we going to listen to Jesus? Because what's so key in this story is that Jesus was willing to look harsh and even rude, because he knew that listening to those voices it would be of no help whatsoever in what he was going to do. Jesus was willing, and, and you can imagine, they're talking and Jesus is just like kind of ignoring what they say. And I'm sure they were like, well, dude, we told him, why isn't he listening to us? We told me she's dead. And yet Jesus completely did not mind looking rude or harsh. For us today, some of the voices that we need to block out this is a hard one. Some of the voices we need to block out are family and friends. Well-meaning, kind people, loving people that are not necessarily bad, but they're just telling you what they see as the reality in your situation. They're looking at it and saying, this is what it is. Let me tell you your reality. But Jesus knows something that they don't. And when Jesus says, don't be afraid, just believe, it's not that he's avoiding the facts. 
Hey, Jesus was very well aware of the facts. He's very well aware of the facts in your situation. But he knew that he was about to get involved in the situation and that that was going to change everything. Because he is the one that declares in Matthew 19, 26, humanly speaking, it is impossible. But with God, everything is possible. Amen. We have to silence the voices. We have to tell them no. Going back to verse 38, let's read again. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. Jesus gets to this house and what does he see? Commotion crying, wailing loudly. I don't know if you guys have heard wailing, but it's, it's intense. In fact, last night my neighbor's dog was wailing at like 3 a.m. But it's an intense sound, right? It's a sound of despair. It's a sound of brokenness. Let's see how Jesus deals with this in verse 40. After he put them all out, underline that, he put them all out. He took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. Jesus walks into this house. It's not his house, but he walks in, right? He takes authority over the room, this environment of noise, confusion, despair, crying, wailing, and the very first thing he does is this. Number two in your notes, he clears the room. Number two, clear the room. Jesus knows that to see the work of God in a life or a situation, you need to remove anything and everything that is draining faith and resisting what God wants to do. These people, as well-meaning as they were, they were taking up the space in that room and they were filling it with fear and discouragement and despair. And so Jesus walks in and he takes authority over it. He takes authority over the space and he removes anything that is contrary to what he is going to do. The word used for put them out, this is really interesting, it's ekbalo. So Mark in, in his gospel uses in, in the New Testament, ekbalo is used um, when Jesus would put out an evil spirit. When Jesus would cast something out, it was ekbalo. And so Mark uses it to convey a sense of forcefulness. Jesus isn't like, hey guys, um, excuse me, I'm sorry, but this is really bringing down the mood. Could you guys like leave, please? No, he's like, ekbalo, like get out. Get out now, right? He risks appearing rude and unkind and he says, you need to leave. He forcefully puts them out. Too often we think we just need more of something in order for God to move. I don't know how many times I've been there and said, Lord, if I just had more resources, if I just had more connections, if I just had, you know, the right doctor or the right situation, if I just had more, then you could come in and you could do what you wanted to do. When in fact, it's the stuff that's there that's causing 90% of our problems. 
You just need to clear the room. Get rid of some stuff. Remove something. Put it out. We need to ekbalo. God is challenging us today with this. He's challenging me. He's challenging you. What do you need to put out? What do you need to ekbalo to give me space to work in your life? So this is a question that only God can answer, but the Holy Spirit can come and reveal to each and every one of us on a personal level what he says, you know what, this really needs to go. So we're just going to stop for a moment and ask the Holy Spirit. We're not beggars, we're children. So when we come to our Father and we ask him to do something, he's always faithful to do it. So if you would just put your stuff down a second, we're just going to invite the Holy Spirit to come in and reveal. So Lord, we just ask you to come and reveal the things that need to go, the stuff that needs to be put out so that you can come and take your rightful place and you can move. We give you authority over our space and we ask this morning to bring revelation. We open our eyes, we open our ears, we open our hearts to receive. In Jesus' name, amen. So, like this pile of stuff behind me, beautiful pile of stuff. I'm sure it mirrors a lot of our garages. I'm sure it's not even as good as some of our garages, right? But our lives get so cluttered with so much noise and so many voices. Jesus gets very little room to do what he wants to do. How much capacity in your life are you giving God to work with? How much space does he have to move around? Imagine your life, right, as a house with different rooms. So I want you to picture this. Your life is a house, it's got all these different rooms. How much space does Jesus have to move about in there? Are there some rooms where there's too much stuff, too much clutter, too much noise, too much competing voices? I don't know about you, but even for some of the most neat of us, there is always a drawer in the house, right? So we can all get like high and mighty and go, my house is so clean, okay? And God would say today, What about that drawer or that closet over there? You know, that you kind of like shove everything into when company comes? So nobody open that door, right? Are there rooms where you've kept a keep out sign for God? You said, Lord, you can go in every space, every room, free reign. Just, you know, that door over there, I put a sign on it. So, you know, there's some stuff in there you're not going to like, but I'm keeping it. So, you know, just please stay out of there. Maybe you've never even allowed him into the front door. Our God is a gentleman. He's not going to barge his way into your house. He's going to stand at the door. He stands there and he knocks. And he says, please, would you let me in? I want to come in your house. I want to spend time with you. I want to change everything. Maybe we could rearrange some furniture together. Maybe we could play a game or two. Maybe, you know, you could sit and lay your head on my shoulder and I could just whisper words of love to you. Just let me in the room. Let me in your house. And if that's you and you're in the room with me today or you're watching online, it's so easy to let him into your house. We make it so complicated. At Grace, we call it getting on base with God, but it's really just saying, Lord, I believe that you are the son of God. 
I admit there's some stuff that I am ashamed of. There's some stuff in those closets, in those rooms that I don't really want you to see, and I admit that. But I accept your forgiveness. I accept your free gift. I say, hey, I want that. So I open up the door of my heart and I surrender and I say, Lord, just come in. Come into every room. And I express it because my words have power. I express it with my mouth and my words. So if that's you today and you haven't even let him in the front door with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm just going to ask you to repeat this after me. Um, We're going to make space for Jesus just to come into hearts this morning. Um, so, So dear Jesus, I believe you are the son of God. I thank you for making a way to clear out all my clutter. Oh, I admit there's stuff I'm ashamed of. Stuff I don't want you to see. But I bring it to you. I accept your forgiveness. I surrender my heart. And with my words I say, Jesus, come into my life. Come into every room. Take your rightful place. In Jesus' name, amen. If you pray that prayer, God is, he's just so happy. He gets to come and spend time with you in your house. And we want to support that. I know when you're stepping out in your faith and it's fresh, you know, you have a lot of questions and, And we want to give you answers. So if you have prayed that prayer with me, would you text the word BASE to 714-455-3113. And we can send you some resources. Um, Maybe today, though, you have let the Lord in your house. In fact, he's been living there for quite some time. And you're trying, right, to grow in your faith. And you're trying to to move forward, but things just are not happening. There's so much clutter that God's got nowhere to work. So spiritual clutter can be a few things. It was really interesting as I was sermon prepping this week. I watched this video about hoarders. I was just kind of interested. I was like studying clutter and I was like, I'm gonna watch this video. And, And this woman was interviewed who dealt with hoarding and I thought, oh, okay, this is, you know, good backstory and stuff. And then this morning when I woke up, the Lord was like, Brianna, there is, there are things in that video that I am revealing to you right now through the Holy Spirit that you need to share because there is a picture here that I want to open eyes and I want to bring revelation. And I know he brought revelation to me even as I was getting ready. So I want to share that with you. Um, Spiritual clutter can mean many things. The first of which is unresolved issues. Unresolved issues. Things from your past that you have never dealt with, right? And we all know that. We're like, okay, like I've, I've gotten over that and it's done and you know, I've moved on. I've moved past it. I don't need to look back anymore. But what's so interesting is in this video, the woman who hoarded she linked her identity with her stuff. She linked her identity with her stuff. So it's like, if you take my stuff, who am I? 
If you take this away from me, who am I? Over my life, I've dealt with different kinds of trauma. I was very sick at one point in my life. And there's a part of me that began to identify myself with what I went through. So I stop and I say, well, if you take away the fact that I was a sick person, like, who am I? If you take away the fact that I was abused or hurt or whatever it might be, fill in the blank for you. If I take this away from me, then who am I? This is part of my identity. I was the person who went through this. And we still hold on to it and we collect it as part of who we are. And Jesus says, I want you to release this so that you can walk in a new identity that I have for you. Unforgiven relationships. This is a little bit heavier than I thought, but so, so is unforgiveness. It's a little bit heavier than you think, right? Porters say, you never know when I might need this. You never know when I might need this thing, this receipt from 30 years ago. You never know. Could come in handy, right? But we do that. We say, well, you know, you never know when I may come across that person that hurt me 20 years ago. And I need to be ready to tell them what I think about what they did. I have a whole speech prepared. Lord, just let me at them. All I got to do is see them. I know they're coming. I might need this. And that's what we do with unforgiveness. And God says, oh, you do not need that anymore. It has no place in your house. It's taking up space. Let's see what we got over here. Unrepented sin. You've done things that you're ashamed of and things that you have not taken to the cross, but you have allowed them to build, right? A hoarder says, hey, I can't let anyone see this. They don't have a lot of guests. Hoarders don't have a lot of guests because they're like, well, if people came over, they would see all my stuff. How many times do we do that with sin? If I let God in, oh man, he's gonna see all my stuff. And it's built up over the years and it's, it's ugly. It's ugly. There was, in the video, the lady said, you know, there used to be a desk over there. I think it's still there under all the stuff. I'm not quite sure. But that's what we do, right? We say, you know what? I think there's a place for God under there somewhere, but you know, I've let all this stuff crowd in and sit there. I can't let anyone see this. What a lie of the enemy. The Lord wants to come into this space. He wants to change everything. An undisciplined lifestyle, habits that are not healthy, things that are dragging you down. It's where you say, this is just what I do. Someone ticks me off and I snap at them. It's just what I do, right? Collecting things, hoarders say, this is just, this is just what I do. The mail comes in, I don't throw anything out, it sits there, I got a pile of it, it's just what I do. How do we do that with things that are in our life where we say it's just a habit? I couldn't even tell you why I do it anymore. I just do it, it's what I do. The Lord says I wanna change that in your life. 
I want to free you of the need to just do those things because you have always done them. I want to do something new. Ungodly influences. We talked a little bit about silencing the voices. Ungodly influences are people who shouldn't have the place in your life that they have. In a hoarder situation, it's the family and friends that say, do what makes you happy. It's the enablers, the ones who say, you know what, you do you. You like to collect stuff, do you. You know, it makes you happy. Your stuff makes you happy. Have at it. Those are the people that we give place in our life instead of listening to the voices like Jesus, right? Says, hey, I wanna come in and I wanna change this. Listen to the voices influencing you that say, you don't need that anymore. God's got so much more for you. Those are the people and the voices that we need to let in. The last thing is guilty pleasures. Guilty pleasures. We all love to say that we have them, right? We go out, we eat dinner, we order dessert. It's my guilty pleasure, right? We do it with gossip, right? Oh, I can't wait to hear what so-and-so did. It's my guilty pleasure, right? TV shows, things that we watch that we shouldn't be putting in front of our eyes that we go, oh, but it's my guilty pleasure. In the life of a hoarder, it's the small thing. See, because a hoarder's home isn't filled with a bunch of large, massive things. It's filled with millions of tiny things that they have let in one by one by one. What guilty pleasures have we let in? Jesus was so deliberate about who he let in the room and who he kept out. And he could have kept everyone in the room, right? It would have been a party, right? Let's keep everybody happy and I don't wanna offend anybody. And the little girl would have stayed dead. Or Jesus, come in and do what only he could do. He cleared the room and he risked offending people, right? Or seeming, seeing mean or insensitive so that this little girl could live. There's only so much space in the room. It's like our cell phones. How many of you have been here? You really wanna download that new app. You don't have enough storage, right? like, oh, Sophie's choice. Do I delete the dog video or do I delete the hamster video? Like which, which one goes so that I can, so that I can download uh, this video so that I can download something new. And I so believe that's the Holy Spirit in the room today just saying, what do you need to get rid of so that I can download something new into your life? so that I can download something new into your situation. God doesn't generally clean the room for us, right? We want, we want him to do it, but we have to take authority over our lives, the spiritual authority that he has given us and make space for him. Is there room for him to work in our lives, in your life, in my life, or is there just too much old stuff the holy spirit speaking so clearly he's saying clear the room kids 
clear the room. I'm not gonna do it for you. It's like we tell our teenager, clean your room. I'm not gonna do it for you, right? That's not set out of insensitivity. It's set out of love and wanting to develop a sense of ownership. Hey, I've given you the authority over your space. Now go in and get rid of what doesn't belong there. And that's what Jesus is telling us. And earlier we asked the Holy Spirit to reveal the clutter. And what I love, again, we are, we are children, we are not beggars. So when we ask the Lord to do something, he's so faithful to do it. And I know that as I've been speaking in all of our lives, he's already revealing things that need to get put out. So we're gonna take a moment and we're gonna do that. Like Jesus, we're gonna take authority over the space, over our hearts, over our lives, and we're gonna put those things out. And one of the ways we do this is through the act of communion. So I'm just gonna ask if you would put your stuff down, kind of set it aside. In front of you, there is a communion cup. And if you're watching online, I would encourage you, if you have crackers, juice handy, run and grab that really quick. Um, but in front of you is communion. Take your cup out. Communion is the place where forgiveness of sin is proclaimed. So we remember what he did, we proclaim forgiveness and it's offered to anyone who would receive it. I love that, it's open. Jesus's table is an open table. And we're gonna take all of that clutter to the cross and we're gonna consecrate ourselves, every space, not just the one room we want him to have, but the entire space. We're gonna clear it for what he wants to do if we would only allow him to come in and do it. So Jesus took the bread and he took the cup. So if you would take your cup and go ahead and flip it upside down, um, remove the seal, there's bread on the bottom. You can go ahead and pull that out. But Lord, as we look at the bread, we recognize that we have allowed so many things to get in the way of what you wanna do. So many things that have cluttered the space and pushed you out. And God, there's unresolved issues, there's unrepented sin, there's unforgiveness, there's bad habits. There's, there's people we have allowed to have a space that should not be there, Lord. And there's rooms where we have said, don't go in there, keep out. But today, Lord, we thank you that you have made a way for us to have victory over all of these things because of what you did on the cross. So Lord, for all of these things, as we take and we eat the bread, we declare that you have overcome them and you have given us victory. Go ahead and take the bread. Turn your cup over for the juice. It's the blood covenant that he made that purifies us. It's the covenant that he made that comes in and says, do not be afraid, just believe. Because my blood has overcome and I'm about to come into your situation and I am about to change everything. So Lord, as we take the cup, we recognize your covenant, the covenant you made with us, Lord. We recognize that you have given us the Holy Spirit to radically change us, wash us clean, 
clear our space, Lord, so we ask you to forgive us for the voices that we have allowed to crowd you out, for the clutter we have allowed in, for the people we have listened to first instead of your voice. Lord, would you come and would you remove it now as we examine our hearts and we lay them bare before you. Wash us clean and prepare us for all that you would do in our lives if we would just give you the space to do it. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me? What I love is we complicate things, but again, it's so easy. We come to the cross and we say, Lord, here's my clutter. I made space for you. <laughs> come and move, come and, come and spend time with me, come reveal things to me. And I believe that even as we worship, there are so many more things that God wants to download into you personally now that you have given him space to do that. So as we worship, let's just lift up our hands as a physical sign of our surrender, of just saying, Lord, here, here's the space. Come in and move. And as you release, would you receive? Because he's just pouring it out this morning. Jesus, we ask you to have your way.